Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Hey, Awaken Church, it is such a joy for me to get to be here. Just like Sean said, uh, I get the honor and privilege of being the Somerville campus pastor. Love what I get to do. Love the Somerville campus. Love that like missional outpost out there in the Somerville community. Just hungry to reach people. Hungry to be a part of seeing people far from God awaken to life in Christ. But like last week when Pastor Brandon, first of all, when I mentioned Pastor Brandon, There's just no words that I could say that would fully express my gratitude for our lead pastor. Pastor Brandon, so thankful for you, thankful for your leadership, thankful for the way that you pursue Jesus, and thankful for the way that you help equip us to do that same thing. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to preach today. Appreciate you, Pastor Brandon. You know, one of the things that he said in his message last week, uh, he had talked about returning to Galilee, talking about After the death of Jesus, Jesus had asked the disciples uh, after his resurrection to meet him in Galilee. And sometimes we have to go back to the place where it all started to help know how to properly move to the place we're going, right? And so physically for me and my wife, Rachel, in every way we were talking, this, this location, this is our Galilee, there was so much that we were navigating through as, as young in our faith when we, as Awakened Church, made the transition into this building. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, at that point in my walk with Christ, I still didn't know how to pray. I literally, I knew it was supposed to be like this real deep and intimate relationship and speaking with God, but I had no idea how to do that. I knew like the standard prayers, like God is great and stuff like that, but had no idea how to have like a personal relationship with God through prayer. And, and even in, this is the Bible that my wife gave me uh, after uh, my baptism. And, and in here on the front cover, I've got prayer. <laughs> and I literally took prayers that are in scripture and I would sit there and I'd look at God and i all right, this is my prayer time. And I would just read prayers in scripture. And one of those for me, was in Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, the, one of the cool things about that is when we as Awakened Church made the shift from sharing a church in West Ashley to this space here, we were going through the book of Nehemiah. And I knew that Pastor Brandon would be on this stage, that, that me and a couple other men in our church were building. Not that we knew what we were doing, but somebody had to do it. And, and I knew that like right here, that right here, Pastor Brandon would be preaching someday. And I remember under this floor, I wrote the verse in Nehemiah where Ezra opens God's word for the first time for his people after they had been in slavery all this time or in oppression from another nation. And so the people were so excited to hear God's word that they couldn't help but worship. And so I wrote that there and I remember that and it's still there and I love that. And I also remember over on this wall that I wrote as we were going through another series, I wrote a prayer for my friends and my family members that don't yet have a relationship with God, but my heart was breaking for them, seeing everything else in the world fall apart. And I'm sitting here just screaming like, it's Jesus, you need Jesus. But they're staying stubborn and resistant. I wrote prayers for them on that wall. And then this wall over here, I wrote prayers for my amazing mother. Gosh, 
the prayers of a praying mother. You know, she prayed for over a decade for God to radically transition my heart, to lead me from the lifestyle of rebellion and sin that I was living, choosing to live in that space, and to rot my heart and to get me into a church community and get me in relationship with Him. I wrote prayers thanking God for my mother's continued faithfulness in prayer. Getting choked up now just thinking about it again. It's amazing. Just, I don't know that I have the willpower to continue to pray for over a decade for something that I see is continuing to fall apart. But a praying mother can. And I learned from that. The other thing that Pastor Brandon had talked about is he had talked about you can't argue the evidence for Christ. And it really struck me good because I remember that stage. It was 2014 for me. I met one of the guys on staff here at church. Rachel and I were dating at the time. And we had come to Awaken Church, honestly, at a last-ditch effort. We were trying everything else that the world provided to save our relationship. And our relationship was horrible. Can't sugarcoat that anyway. It was horrible. And we knew for some odd reason, like we knew we wanted to be together, but couldn't figure out why and couldn't figure out why it was so tough. Church was our last-ditch effort. Neither one of us believed, but it was our last effort. And sure enough, like God radically rocked our world coming into Awaken Church. And so when he's talking about the evidence for Christ, that, that man that met with me, Chris Lanier, when he met with me, when I came into those meetings with him, in every way I wanted to single-handedly be the one guy that not only convinced him, but convinced the rest of the church that a belief in Jesus, a belief in God was ridiculous. I built up so much of a case to oppose everything that he believed in. And I believe in full faith in a room this size that there's somebody, if not a few of you, in the room right now that are probably in that same place. I want to let you know, if you're still trying to build that case, you can come talk to me personally. I'll give you all the ammunition you think you need to make an argument against Christ. Because what I realized and what I came to know is that God, Jesus, is so big, so amazing, so good that there's nothing that can knock him off his throne. You can argue it all you want. You can build up all the case you want. It's going to come back to that very thing. Nothing knocks him off the throne. And so last week's message was huge to me because it reminded me that through that, through that phase in my life, there were so many ways I was trying to fill this blank of Jesus is, what is that? And in my life, I was really wrestling with it. I went through the, is Jesus the Lord, lunatic, or a liar? I went through all these different Jesus is. And today, I'm excited to get to preach about Jesus being your friend. Jesus is your friend. The story I want to dive into uh, comes from the Gospel of Luke. I love the Gospel of Luke. There's a reason I named my son Luke. Uh, I just pray and I believe that he will grow up just like Luke to be able to speak to people that don't know who God is with such a passion, with so much clarity that they will in turn accept Christ into their heart. I just, I'm, I'm claiming that for my son as he grows up. But the reason why is because the gospel of Luke is directly written to someone who does not know Jesus. It's directly written to explain who Jesus is to someone who does not believe. And so I love the gospel of Luke. The story we're going to be looking at in the Gospel of Luke is only found in the Gospel of Luke, and it's the story about Zacchaeus. So if you'll join me, I'm going to jump in there. It's in Luke 19. The first part of Luke 19, we'll do Luke 19 verses 1 to 10. 
Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Why is this story only in the Gospel of Luke? I feel like Luke intentionally put it in here to fully explain to any of us, no matter where we're at, no matter the bad we're in, no matter the shame that we're carrying, we can relate to Zacchaeus and that we can also understand that Jesus and his salvation... There's no limitation there. Jesus does not see something and say, you know what, you can't be a part of my kingdom. You can't be a part of being in relationship with me because of X, Y, Z. We can all find a piece of ourselves in Zacchaeus. One of the problems, though, is in order to fully understand Zacchaeus, especially if you were growing up in a church, it's kind of hard to embrace how bad Zacchaeus actually is. Here's why. If you grew up in church, you know the Zacchaeus song, right? For those of you who grew up in church, don't leave me alone up here. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? Right? Like this song, it's so stinking cute, right? But it makes Zacchaeus just look like this sweet little short guy. But the reality is, it's totally opposite of the cuteness of that song. The reality is, to understand Zacchaeus, I don't know that I can paint a picture of how bad of a person he was for you, because my definition may be different than yours. But do this. Somebody that you need to be really close to you. You trust them to be really close. But yet that person, to profit themselves, betrays you and continues to betray you until it's putting you in a place that you can barely survive. That's Zacchaeus. That's where he is. There's nobody on the street that's going to be Jewish that's going to look at Zacchaeus and give him a fist bump. Not happening. They may give him a fist, not a fist bump. So Zacchaeus, worst of the worst. All right, forget the song. So when we meet up with Zacchaeus here, and I think about Jesus as a friend, for me, like friendship, not really the easiest thing. I wouldn't say friendship is one of my strong suits, but to be a friend with me, like there's two like foundation issues. I need to know that you're there and I need to know that you care, right? Okay, we got those, we can build from there. Then to be a friend with me, I gotta know that you're going to make fun of me just as much as I'm going to make fun of you. I know it's weird, and I'm going to laugh when you get hurt. Like if you fall and bust your knee, I just laugh. That's my response. I don't know why, but I just enjoy it. But to me, that is a a communication through friendship. Like if you care that much to Josh back and forth with me, we have a real relationship. But also, to build from a friendship, like one of the other qualifiers as I get closer and closer to people is, I got to know that you're going to grind with me. I got to know that you're going to do work. Like, 
My friend love language is that our hands are active working on something together. Like, I don't want to just sit on a couch and have talk time. That's not me. Like, let's go do something, and as we're doing something, we can talk. That's how I build friendships. But if I look at a friendship, and I say, okay, well, what does the Bible say about a friendship? And especially in this story, then I'm also reminded that a few weeks ago, Pastor Brandon asked a question in one of his sermons. He said, how do you spell friend? And he answered, you spell friend T. I-M-E. Okay. If that's how we're going to spell friendship, time, then if I stack up that spelling in the, this very passage in the Gospel of Luke, what do I learn? So I want, to, I want to first look at how did Jesus respond to the friendship invitation, that, or how did Zacchaeus respond to the friendship invitation that Jesus presented, right? So let's dive in. Let's look first here. We're going to go through verses 1 through 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. The first thing I learned from Zacchaeus' response here is that he was there. The first letter of time, T, Zacchaeus was there. He made a way to be there and be visible for Jesus, right? One of the key words here that we see is this word, but, okay? Wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Reality is each and every one of us, we have a but in our lives, right? We have something that we have allowed ourselves to label ourselves or to prevent ourselves from moving to a certain place. There's some insecurity, something that's holding us back. We all have a but, right? But the amazing thing is, is that each and every one of those, for each and every one of the buts in the room, God provided a tree. There is a tree for whatever that is in your life. It's just whether or not you're willing to humble yourself to climb that tree, I mean, think about Zacchaeus. You're talking about a Jewish man, and of that day, they were wearing those little skirts. And and even in God's Word, even in the culture he was raised in, they knew not to climb up things because you could expose, right? So Zacchaeus was in a posture where he needed to be in front of Jesus so much that he was willing to put it all aside. He was willing to put it all aside just to be there so that Jesus could see him. You know, I think about my best friendship. Hands down, it's with my wife. I absolutely love Rachel. She's my best friend. She's my ride or die, however you want to say that. But when we started our relationship, it was a little rocky, to be honest. That's being really nice. Our relationship was horrible. Um, We both were very verbally and physically abusive to one another. It was really, really bad. But for some strange reason, we couldn't get away from this fact, like, I know we're meant to be together, right? But in that, we each brought into the relationship a bunch of what would be called baggage from other previous relationships, from upbringing, all of this. So for Rachel and I, early on, we had to embrace one another's butt. Really? That didn't land? (laughs) Look at you. You're so church, so I can't even get you on that one. Rachel and I embraced each other's butt. Okay? Now... What that meant was in order for us to move on in our friendship and our relationship, we had to accept 
all of this other stuff, the but from each one of us coming in, because it was ultimately going to help shape, and it was going to shape whether we wanted to or not, our relationship moving forward. So we embrace that in order to move forward. And in this very situation, Zacchaeus does not allow what is a limitation for him to prevent him from being in front of Jesus. We need to posture ourselves in that same way. To be a friend, we need to be postured to be there. Going to make time and make room for whatever's important for you. We have to be there. So let's jump in. Let's continue in our, in our acronym here. Picking up in verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. The second thing I learned here from Zacchaeus is to be inclusive. Zacchaeus easily could have stayed in that tree. Easily could have stayed in that tree. But when Jesus issued the invite, Zacchaeus allowed himself to be included in whatever it was that the invite carried. Right? Zacchaeus would have had no way of knowing where this invite would go. Honestly, if you think about the life of Zacchaeus as he walks through the streets, any other Jewish person probably spits, throws insults, anything they can do to let Zacchaeus know that they can't stand him. Right? So why in this situation should Zacchaeus believe that having a dinner with Jesus and his followers would be any different? He had to sit there and realize and wrestle with that in that moment to say, this could be really bad. This may not be a dinner I actually want to attend. But he was inclusive. He made the decision to include himself in the very thing, the invite that Jesus was extending. Another thing that I see can be a hurdle for us sometimes when I'm talking about inclusive is maybe we've made it to a point where we've overcome our shame and our guilt and that doesn't bother us anymore. We're seeing some progress in in our growth and our faith. And we've climbed a tree, right? Like Just like Zacchaeus, we've climbed a tree. But another problem I see is we may get up there in that tree and we work so stinking hard to get there that when Jesus issues an invite to do something different, we're like, no, 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 no. I'm hanging on right here. I'm not coming down from this tree. You can come join me up here, Jesus, but I'm not coming down from the top of this tree. Busted my butt too hard to get up here. I found myself in that situation time and time again. One of the things in our culture code here at Awaken Church is that we embrace change. I struggle with that all the time. Because I feel like we've worked so hard to get to this certain point. Why are we changing now? We don't even fully know if this way is going to work yet. It's so tough for me. But I also know That if we're open to the direction of God in our lives, not only as individuals, but as a church, we have to be willing to make a change on an instant if we have to and if we're called to. In this moment, Zacchaeus let go of the top of that tree, climbed back down, taking on more embarrassment as he's climbing down, I'm sure. But there was nothing that was stopping him from walking with Jesus. We have to be inclusive in that same way. We don't want to be in the position of just being on the sidelines and watching Jesus walk by, staying up in that tree and watching Jesus walk by. If I'm going to talk about sidelines, I definitely got to talk about serving. I definitely have to talk about being included in what God is doing through Awakened Church. You know, he's uniquely called you here for a reason. Not just to sit and receive, but because he's inviting you, just like Zacchaeus. He's inviting you to be a part of what he's doing through the church. I mean, 
I don't feel like the way that I'm communicating that really lands correctly because guys, God, creator of everything we know, everything we love is inviting you, 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 you to be a part of what he's doing through Awakened Church. And the beauty of it is whatever unique gifts and talents that you bring in to the equation, he's brought them for a reason because there's a need. There's a need that only you can fill and God has called you here to fill that. Don't be on the sidelines. Let's be inclusive to what God's doing, not only in our lives, but in the life of Awakened Church. It's amazing to see the fruit that goes beyond even our own lives. For instance, serving in A-Kids, equipping and helping some young believer, some young child understand who Jesus is. There's no limits on who that child can become, who they'll be, the impacts they'll have, the ripple effects that'll happen for generations and generations. Don't be a part of the sidelines. Be inclusive to the invite that Jesus is extending your way. The next letter, I'm going to go back in. So we're going to pick up here in verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. The third letter here, M, mute the mutter. You have to mute the mutter. You see, if you're doing anything of significance in your life, there are going to be people that are looking in and being critical. There are going to be people looking in and saying, you shouldn't do this because of that. It's going to happen. Anything of significance is going to have that as a result. And honestly, instead of taking it as a negative thing, we, we should really be in a position of taking it as a positive thing. It's because it means we are advancing in some way. Sure, it may be a wrong decision, but at least it's better than staying wherever we're at, right? We're trying to make progress here. The progress that we see in Zacchaeus' life, the lifestyle that he had, the center that he is and labeled as, he muted the mutter to just be around Jesus. You know, right now, at this particular stage in my life, uh, I am the best man for my brother's upcoming wedding, right? And if you know tradition, that means best man throws the bachelor party. You can only imagine how the rest of my brother's friends are like, this is horrible. How? He's, he's a pastor now. This is going to be the worst bachelor party ever, right? And so on the text thread that they're sending that I'm talking with all of them, they're, multiple times they're saying, I'm only coming if you're bringing old Stephen back. And the reality is, the reality is, old Stephen, he died in that water. January 18, 2015. He ain't coming back. I'm sorry, because I love who new Stephen is. Old Stephen is not coming back. Now, the story of old Stephen has great power to help connect with people that are in that same place. Also, to connect with Zacchaeus in this story to understand how hated and unloved I was, but God still reached in and grabbed me, still called me by name. How mm, blows my mind. It's so incredibly powerful. You know, it's, it's also crazy that here in the scripture we see the people talking. And if you back up a few chapters in Luke, in Luke 7, you also see that, that Jesus is labeled as a friend of sinners, right? What maybe is meant to be hurtful, actually became helpful. Because the reality is, is in order to be a friend with Christ, we have to first accept our position as a sinner. Like, Christ can only be a friend of a sinner. And we can't meet Christ there. It devalues everything Christ did, all the way to the cross, all the way to the risen tomb, if we can't even accept the fact that we're a sinner. 
There's no room for a savior if we're in a posture where we don't feel like we need any help. Christ has reached out to each of us specifically as sinners and has provided a way to have access with him. We have to be in a posture. We have to be in a posture of saying, God, I know where I'm at and I know I don't deserve this and that's what makes the fact that you're reaching for me that much more beautiful. Friend to sinners, what's meant to be hurtful is actually helpful in the relationship with Jesus. Friendship. So amazing to see how Jesus is so clearly giving it out and how Zacchaeus is responding here. And let's keep going. If we go into the further, we look at E. But Zacchaeus, we're going to pick up here in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. What we see here is Zacchaeus is getting engaged in the mission. Right? Zacchaeus is willing to lose everything he has, if possible, to be engaged in the mission that Jesus has in front of him. When you think about that in your own life, you think about things that we might have to lose. For instance, I just talked about me and Rachel. Early in our relationship, we're coming into the church. We were saved, we were baptized all in the same day. It's a very beautiful part of our story together. But the reality is, we understood there was a point when we were risking losing everything we knew. And I remember to this day when I made the, the Facebook post to say like, hey, I'm, my life's changed. I'm now a follower of Christ and you'll see things different. I hope we can all still be friends, but things are going to be different. Rachel and I even realized that within our relationship, things were different. You see, the way that we were living as a couple was not aligning with what God's word said it should look like. And it meant changes. It meant Rachel got an apartment. It meant we lived separate. It meant a lot of radical changes in our lives that, yes, were really difficult. It cost something. But to be engaged in the mission, to be in a mission of any form of significance, it should cost something. It should just not be super easy to be a part of. You have to be willing to lose something to step in to the mission that God has called us to be a part of. You have to be willing to embrace that. You know, I think about another good comparison. You think back to the Stone Age. You do realize we didn't leave the Stone Age because we ran out of rocks, right? We left the Stone Age because we found something better. And so if we're talking about progress, it's not because we're running out of rocks. It's because we're not clinging on to whatever it is in our lives that's better. It's right in front of us. It's there for us. It's better. Get out of the Stone Age. Be a friend of Jesus. He's extended it. Make the time to be there. Be inclusive. Mute the mutter. Engage in the mission with Jesus. Because if I flip it around and I look at the life of Jesus, he's extended the most incredible friendship ever. And I'm humbled to think that there was a time in my life, I'm embarrassed to think that there was a time in my life where I was like that high school kid that thought they were the most popular kid in school. And I'm looking at Jesus, I'm like, I know you're trying to be friends with me, but you're just not gonna be my type of friend, right? It's embarrassing to think about. Jesus is sitting there, extending a friendship to all of us. And if we use the same acronym, Jesus is there. Here's what's incredible. We see in the Great Commission, when we're on mission with Jesus, Jesus tells us he will be with us always. 
That's amazing. Blows my mind to even think about that. Right now, anytime, Jesus is with me, helping guide my steps, helping guide my thoughts. Lord knows I need it. But Jesus is there. Jesus is inclusive in every way. Jesus could easily just sit there and say, I want you to believe me in faith. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. We could all just be a little bunch of robots walking around fulfilling the will of God, but he's allowed us to be included in his love, to be included in his mission. And it's only special because we have a decision to make. We can absolutely fight against whatever it is God's calling us to be a part of in our lives. We could stick to what's comfortable, like making it to the top of that tree and stay in there. But Jesus is inviting us to be a part of what he's doing. It's being inclusive in every way. You also think about the M. Jesus is muting the mutter. Jesus already has. On the way to the cross, he was carrying that cross. Every whiplash, every insult, every nail driven in was all a direct mutter to help embarrass Jesus for the place he was at. Everything about the cross was meant to be degrading and embarrassing. He muted it all for relationship with us. So incredible. Muted every insult for relationship with us. And you think about engage in the mission. Jesus is engaged in the mission. He proved it by taking on flesh. He could have easily have just sat up there on the throne of heaven, chilling out with God and the Holy Spirit, but he engaged in the mission that God had for his life to come here to face everything, every temptation, every desire of the flesh that we do and overcome it to live a life that we could not live, engaged in the mission in every way so that we could be in relationship with him. It's one of the most beautiful friendships we will ever see. It's not one of, it is the most beautiful friendship and the most beautiful friendship invitation we will ever see. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us here? How do we respond to such a friendship? Well, my challenge for for us would be take the acronym. Look at the acronym and see where you're not fulfilling the end of your friendship. Take the acronym and see the areas where you don't feel like God will fulfill His. Those are the areas that the rest of the church body wants to help you navigate through. But once you've accepted it, once you've accepted this invitation of friendship, how are we responding? Because to me, it means in every way, we should be including ourselves in what God's doing here. We should be positioning ourselves, not just to come and receive, but to be a part of what he's doing. You know, we think about our amazing groups where we gather together and we grow in our faith. You do realize that it is a step. There's four G's for a reason. Grow is a step. It is a beautiful step. I love that step. But if we're not growing with the intent to be going, then what are we doing? We're wasting our time. This isn't just some social club where we get to learn more about Jesus. He's invited us to a mission to reach the world with the hope and the truth that only comes from the gospel. I want to invite you. I know there's multiple different situations going on in a room this size, but I want to invite you as I close out, to grab that next step card. You didn't come in here just to receive. Because if you're jumping on the mission and taking the invite from Jesus to be a part of what he's doing through us, I want to invite you to just scan through it. 
Maybe you already know what your next step is in growth. Maybe you already know what that step is and how you need to take it. But I want to invite you, even if that's the case, to grab that card and just scan through to see the available steps. Now pray that God will will put it on your heart to know which one's the right one for you to take right now. We have an opportunity to leave this room, this time, changed. Changed forever. Engaged with the mission. Involved in the best friendship we could ever imagine. It's available for you now. And if you haven't yet started a relationship with Jesus, today's the day. Let's make today that day. Let's celebrate together. Put it on that card and allow us as the church that you've been called to. You didn't just by random walk in here. That God had called you here. Let us help you navigate through it. I'm going to pray. The band's going to play over you for a little bit. My challenge and my ask to you is grab that card. Be courageous enough about yourself, where you're at in your relationship, to grab that card, scan it, see what God's got for you next. Because we should all desire to know Him greater and to get to see Him do things through us that are well beyond our means and understanding. Let me pray for us. God, I thank You so much for Your incredible love. Jesus, I thank You for the way that You extended friendship to us. God, I just pray that in this room right now, we are posturing and opening our hearts to be recipients of, to receive from you a friendship that goes beyond our understanding. But in order to do that, God, we need the courage to be able to step away from the tree that we climbed, to come down from that tree, to be engaged in a conversation, just like we saw Zacchaeus sitting at dinner with you, Jesus. I pray that you will guide us to that place today. I pray that we will make a step that yes, may be uncomfortable, but we understand, God, that anything of significance should be. And we want our life to have value. We want our life to be significant. And the way that we do that is by inviting you in. So God, I thank you. I thank you for your incredible love and the way you give us all the great goodness that we know is in Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.